Welcome back, listeners, to a live episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Neil? I'm buzzing and glowing, Lance. I don't think we will see many wins like that for the Steelers this afternoon. I'm excited. I I would imagine you are as well. I, I just have to say this. As I was thinking about this and Big Up Friday 92 coming home, I guess the Steelers are a nobody slump buster. I guess the Steelers are nobody slump buster. And I also thought about the the quote from Color Purple, because I did name the show the Giselle Effect. You know, until you do right by me, everything you even think about is going to fail. And maybe the Giselle Effect was in full display for this particular game. But here's the one thing. The more I've done the show with you, the more I've learned about football over the course of time is that guys and coaches that get this far have a lot of professional pride. And the one thing that is very dangerous, and I fell into the trap of it, Vegas did as well, And rightfully so, the thought should have been that the Steelers would have been big dogs in this game after getting absolutely destroyed in Buffalo. But coming home, being a big home dog after a blowout is is one of those games where you can see the professional pride of an organization and guys showed up. It looked like they coached their butts off, even with all the injuries that this defense had. They played their butts off as well. And you can't minimize professional pride when it comes to professional athletes and football players. You've got to be a prideful individual to get this far. And we saw that pride demonstrated today on this football field. Yeah, and it was it was exactly that. And that was kind of my thing coming into this game. I wasn't sure really how good of a team Tampa Bay was anyway. But what I know is the Steelers got flat out humiliated last week. And you're going to respond with some level of heightened professionalism uh, after a a whipping that they took at the hands of the Bills last week. Of course, what we're talking about today is the 20-18 to Steelers victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, NFL Week 6, a game in which the Steelers were the largest underdogs that they have ever seen at home, 10 points at kickoff to the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Bucs. But this was a game, Lance, that frankly the Steelers had control of from start to finish. An excellent drive to start. I I felt that right there personified everything that you just said. They they put everything together right away, like they have. We've seen them have decent opening drives. They don't necessarily get points, but things work. Uh, Maybe their their first two drives have been fairly solid in the past, but they put everything together on this one. They got the rare uh, opening drive touchdown on a a Kenny Pickett's first career touchdown pass. Like I think it was four or five yards to – Uh, a wide open Najee Harris in the flat that professional pride speaks to one's ability to rebound after such a terrible loss and play relatively well it was not a perfect game by any stretch Um, Tampa Bay is kicking themselves with how badly they played but for for the Steelers to respond the way that they did you you have to appreciate that and uh, that that's a word that uh, Mike Tomlin used in his press conference immediately following this game he appreciated it, it, the the spirit of everything that you just said it, it was very much uh, a strong 
professional effort. They came out and played, they played hard. They played their butts off and restored some pride. Frankly, I, I was thinking, you know, just with Trubisky coming into the game, my thought honestly was they'll end up losing this, but I'm going to talk about, I, I'm proud to be a Steelers fan, just in the sense that they could have laid down flat again. They could have just kind of taken it upon themselves to, to do whatever. They came out with fire today and they played well. Before I want to, before I continue with the theme of pride, I do want to say if you want to participate in the show, go to YouTube, do a search for the new standard and Neil Kulong and Lance Williams. Also, you could check out the show, the new standard via Spotify, via Apple Podcasts, via any popular podcast feeder by doing a search for the new standard and Steelers. And in continuing with this theme of pride, some of this pride shows up in the numbers in this game, and we'll we'll dig through some of the big plays of this game. But uh, Chase Claypool, seven targets, seven receptions, ninety six yards, average thirteen point seven, and Deontay Johnson, five receptions on seven targets, only twenty eight yards. But you could see that both of those players, they heard the noise, and they played like two ball players that heard the noise. You're talking 14 targets, 12 receptions, and Chase play, Claypool paid fantastic football late in the fourth quarter to make big plays on those third downs to keep the sticks moving, keep the clock moving, and really play big to help the Steelers secure the victory. Had a big touchdown catch, had the first uh, touchdown catch for a wide receiver for a Pittsburgh Steeler this year. And again, pride. Their pride showed and it was great to see that professional pride show in a game where they needed every single individual yard. I think what we need to highlight here as far as the much maligned Steelers offense, and I've been at the front of the line in, in ripping of the past of Mitch Trubisky, of Chase Claypool, those two in particular, they hooked up for two completions in the final two drives. I, I Tell me if I'm wrong with this, people, but I, I had them third and 13 and third and 11. They converted on their final two drives, Trubisky to Claypool. Both of them helped extend out what they needed to do uh, in, in order to clinch this game. Um, just to, to recap as well, really quickly, Kenny Pickett went down at the, the game starting quarterback. Kenny Pickett went down. Uh, in the, the fourth quarter of this game with concussion-like symptoms, he was evaluated, uh, placed into the into the concussion protocol, and did not return. Mitch Trubisky came into this game and had, without question, his best game as a Steeler. Um, his final numbers, 9 of 12 for 144 yards with a touchdown pass. He was sacked one time. That's a 12-yard per attempt average, Lance. Claypool... Seven catches, 96 yards. I think at least half of that was on the final two drives, uh, along with the, the game-winning, what would turn out to be the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Claypool also added eight yards on the ground. Not that that matters, but Trubisky had a nine-yard run in a critical situation that set up uh, the, the continuation of their ability to kill the clock and actually milk away a, a victory, which they haven't done I don't know how long. I had zero faith when they had a lead. <laughs> Even getting the ball back, I, I didn't think they had a chance of being able to salt it away and not let Brady back on the field. They knelt out a ball, knelt out the game uh, and the win tonight, today. But by and large, um, you have to say that this game belongs to Mitch Trubisky. I, 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 he was the MVP without question. 
some big time throws, uh, some very good decisions. He protected the ball well. Um, I, I saw him play the way his numbers dictate. I don't think that was an accident. I've ripped the two of them savagely, Lance. You know that. Anyone who listens to the show knows that. Um, they came up big today. They, the Steelers do not win the game today uh, without the efforts of Mitch Trubisky and Chase Claypool. And I promise you, that is not what I expected to say at about uh, noon central this afternoon. And the plays you're talking about, Neil, is the third and 15 late in the game with three minutes to go, 3.07 to go on the clock when he completes the pass to Claypool for 17 yards. Just a, just a beautiful throw, perfect throw, and a great catch by Clay. That's that. That's a pro's pro play. Hey, kudos to both of them. They they shut me up in a lot of ways, uh, both of them, on that play. And the second play was a third and 11, third 11. Uh, from the Pittsburgh 36 with 2.15 to go, which allowed them to salt the game off. Um he completes a 26-yarder to Claypool to end the game. And, you know, the thing that's so difficult on those plays is those are very low-percentage conversion plays. I mean, you're not going to convert those plays. And anybody watching the game that thinks and says they think the Steelers were going to convert both of those is crazy. We all had in our mind that they were going to punt, the GOAT was going to come on the field, dice them up, get a field goal, get out of there, and we're talking about moral victories, but it's much better to be talking about a real victory. And again, continuing the theme of pride, this is why you don't have a losing season ever as a coach, is because you show the requisite level of professionalism to get your team ready, and you compartmentalize losses. A loss is a loss. We have to move forward to the next game, and prepare with earnest because it, it's week to week. We can't dwell on the past. We got to dwell on the future, prepare our football team and get ready to play another game. That is the responsibility. That is what we're called to do as professionals. And that staff did it last but not least when I'm thinking about this game. And there's some other thoughts I'm sure I'll have, um, you know, to piggyback on some of Neil's points that he'll bring up. I'm sure is that, uh, you know, one thing in a football game is I don't care what the spread is or what the difference is between the teams. When you're kicking ass, your defensive line is kicking ass in the interior, and Ogan Joby and Cam Hayward played a fantastic game, you really limit what a team can do to you offensively. And their play really protected, in my opinion, a secondary that was really down starters, and a secondary that really I thought was going to get ripped up in this game. Ogan, Joby, and Hayward were fantastic. I thought that was uh, easily Ogan, Joby's best game, easily um, to, to this point with Pittsburgh. Not that we, not to suggest that he hasn't played well. Uh, he was dominant at times. Um, and, and Tristan Wirfs is, is one guy. Uh, they're the big left tackle. Uh, of the bucks that that's a guy he went up against him a couple times and he beat him. Um, Alex Highsmith was having all kinds of problems with worth worth by and large in this game. Uh, Ogan Joby stepped up huge uh, to me. James Pierre stepped up huge. Uh, this boy Pierre anyway, would kind of a goat last week um, got beat a couple times in coverage. He fumbled the kickoff um, for, for him to respond the way that he did. I think in, in many ways personifies what we got from this team today. And I, I, at some point, Lance, we know the conversation is going to dovetail into this, but 
This is the thing with Mike Tomlin-led teams. I understand. Nobody needs to quote to me the last time they, they won a playoff game. I was there. I remember it well. I know a long time has passed between them. I have a lot less hair than I used to. I know it's a long time between those. The reality is those who want to call Tomlin out for his coaching ability, by and large, are refusing to look at what is generally a lack of talent on this team. They are not that good. There is plenty of things to criticize with this offense, both really today with Pickett more so than than with Trubisky. They did not play a great, solid, all-around offensive game. Again, they didn't run the ball well at all. The fact is, I remember saying this last year after one of the ridiculous wins that they had, the only thing this team does well is win games. And that that's we're kind of entering that territory. I mean, they, they're going to have to win a few more than they have. But the, the sum of their whole becomes greater than the sum of their parts. And you have to give credit to coaching to some degree to make that work. They got things to work today. It was not abysmal. This was, I, I think, somebody, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think uh, this is the first game they've had where they didn't have back-to-back three and outs. They gained, they gained yards in their first drive. They did really well, and then they finished it, too. Uh, somebody brings up uh, Steven Sims. I think that's fantastic. A huge kick return and a really good punt return. They've had terrible returns up to this point this season. How are they getting this kind of production? It's not the individual talent. They are putting everything together where it needs to be put together. They're correcting as best they can what they can, and you're seeing the results in games like this. I guess we have a uh, – they had one three and out looking at it here, uh, their fourth and fifth drive. Uh, but that second drive was sort of at the end of the first half. But they did only have two, one drive, one sequence where they punted on two consecutive drives. Just, okay, just well, something right. a little bit funny. Uh, Kill my momentum. I was excited. Do, do we have a uh, special teams controversy? Will we ever see the gunner be pulled out of the holster again? Oh, pow, God, pow. no. No, no. And after that, no, definitely not. <laughs> if, if Look, you know what the, the crazy thing is? If Steven Sims is returning all year, he runs that to the house. He ran out of gas at like the 20 yard line. Unfortunately, they weren't able to convert that for, for more, but offensive problems are, are another thing. That was a great return. And we saw this in preseason with him too, Lance. It, it's, he has this real innate uh, sense of body control. He's very much in balance. He's not overly quick. He's not overly fast. He makes great cuts. He knows where to move and to, to evade defenders. That's what he did on that return. They all had an opportunity to get him. They all missed him somehow. Um, and the punt return was similar to that as well. I, I, there's no possible way, barring injury, of course, Olszewski sees the field again. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him. I mean, it, 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 you know, with players coming back off injured reserve, we don't know what a lot of their their uh, uh, status is long term. Olszewski is it kind of useless. I mean, you know, he's not going to be the return man. They don't need him as a receiver. He hasn't done anything as a receiver for him. He's he's the lame duck guy in the roster right now. I think he gets cut more than anything. It's funny that uh, you know when I when I'm thinking of Tom Brady playing poorly, it makes me think of Filipponi's tweet about uh, Tom Brady going to uh, <laughs> Robert Kraft's wedding on Friday and the curse of the Kraft wedding. Maybe he didn't take the Steelers seriously enough. Guys, guys don't realize how often that kind of thing happens. It's not. Yeah, that, that that's funny. It's like I get, I get it. it it's I don't, 
validating Pony's bullshit is just not worth our time. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's he's got to come up with some type of, oh, here's what I can say that'll get people to pay attention. Some nonsense. He's a he's a poor man's, not even a poor man's. He's like an, an emaciated man's Colin Coward. Doesn't, you know, have, a, doesn't have two percent of the talent that, that Coward has, but he wants to play that that bit. He wants to play that role. It's just not I don't know why people get into that. I really don't. You know, it's funny. Those type of tweets are very similar to guys that can write hooks and jingles. You know, there there, there is a talent to being a jingle writer and a hook writer. But man, this is you know what's very interesting in this, and I would love to be a fly on the wall in terms of preparation you know give me give me your thoughts on how do you prepare when you go into a game like this when you've got minka you've basically got your whole secondary out and you know how do you game plan in a game like this does it become easier is it more difficult is it easier because it's simplified i mean what what what's the game planning how do you make a game plan when you're down so many guys i honestly i think the real challenge is on the opponent um in this case, what both teams know is there are a bunch of guys on the Steelers' defense who aren't good enough to be starters on the Steelers' defense. From there, the advantage is in Pittsburgh because at least Pittsburgh knows who Josh Jackson is, what he can do, and how he's going to do it. They can plan around Terrell Edmonds kind of being the, the signal caller on defense in this game, which he was they have a, a much better sense of who Trey Norwood is than Todd Bowles did going into this game. Good point. There, there are advantages that can come from that. Now, let me – we really should kind of temper our enthusiasm here. That advantage might last you one game. You know, the more film you get down there – you know who really didn't play well today? Kenny Pickett. And I don't think that's a surprise. I, he didn't look confident in his reads – I think Bowles was messing with him pretty good. Good on Pickett for not turning the ball over, but he didn't play very well. He didn't have a very good game. They handcuffed him pretty well. He's got enough film now that opponents are going to know who he is. From Pittsburgh's perspective, it's easy to get away with that because you're the only one that knows anything about the guy that's going to play. When you're preparing for that as an opponent, it's a lot harder. You're going to go off, well, they did this. We kind of have to treat these guys as equals, even though we know – this is a lesser player. And then, boom, you can come out and do a bunch of stuff. Now, I, I don't know whether that happened. I need to, to sit down and watch a, a, a better angle of it to see what really went into it. But what I know is there was a night and day difference between the overall execution of the Steelers' defense today and where it was last week. And it was not physically a, a imposing, in my opinion. They Their secondary played remarkably well. They covered really, really well. I forget what play it was. They showed the end zone angle. Um, I think it was the one of the third downs uh, early in the game. Brady was in shotgun. They were only protecting with five of the running back. And Brady drops back. The pass rush eventually came in. The Steelers had the entire, entire skill position unit of Tampa Bay blanketed, totally covered. There was nothing Brady could do. And because Brady is older than I am, he's not going to be able to run for anything. He had nothing to do but kind of whip a ball into the ground. And when, when you have that kind of a situation, something is working well for you. When you are able to trip up, uh, a, a obviously, Hall of Fame player, player who's above Hall of Fame status, uh, you have him confused and unable to, to do anything with the ball. You've done a great job. And they did that a, a couple of times today. Hats off to the secondary for how well they played. 
maybe that's it. You know, maybe it, it's just as simple as they didn't have enough film on the guys who were out there to really do anything. But at the same time, you still have to go out there and play. Tom Brady doesn't need a whole lot to find an opening to put a ball. I, I, he didn't have nearly as many of those opportunities today as we've seen him have in the past. I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a big shout out to Melvin and the University of Tennessee Volunteers for their big win against Bama on Saturday. Big up to the Volunteers. Real quick, just on the side, Neil, what do you think about that quarterback from Tennessee? Real quick. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I was uh, I had a long conversation, um, and we didn't plan this, by the way, so th- th- these are my raw thoughts. Um, I, I watched uh, – who did they play? LSU. I happened to watch the Tennessee-LSU game uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that, and I had heard the kid's name before. And I watched him, and I was like, huh, okay. Uh, he looks like it. He's got that quarterback arm, you know, real lanky. You can, you can tell that he can whip a ball pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't sure overall against LSU if I saw a lot of great stuff. Uh, he, he looked good against Alabama. Uh, I, I did watch that game yesterday. Uh, he's a player. I, I could see his stock going up quite a bit. I could see him being around one guy. Uh, he's got the physical ability for sure. He's showing it in, in big moments. He made some some BSD throws uh, against Alabama, and that's obviously not the easiest thing in the world to do. He looks pretty good. And Tennessee's a, a, a force, obviously. I mean, they're probably going to be um, you know, one of the two, three favorites uh, for the national title. Somebody's mentioned him for, for Heisman. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, I, I don't follow that well enough. You don't want to listen to me, but um, he looked good. I, I could see uh, – I could see a team wanting to, to develop a player like him. Yeah, that was high-level quarterback play by uh, Bryce Young. And from uh, Hooker, that, that was really cow. That was some really, really good quarterback play. And I'm going to tie this back into a comment from Steelers Freak. And the comment that Steelers Freak made was the difference was alien, was Allen versus Brady. And that's the difference right now in the way quarterback is being yep. played by the most elite guys Mahomes and the alien are facing off in Kansas City, I believe. Um, and yep, it's second reaction. You're plays. seeing both of them do some stuff. It's just un- unbelievable. You know, it's second Mahomes reaction plays. Call back that's just wrong. And- you know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 that, it's that second nature play. Another big number, and you brought it up, and, and I want to ask you this question too, is one of the big numbers in this game too was the Buccaneers were only 4-14 on third down for 28.6%. And when you can hold a, a Brady-led offense to that type of percentage on third down, 28.6 compared to the Steelers' 7 of 15 for 46.7%, which are two big differences in the game. And the Steelers, of course, converting those two big third downs late in the game in the fourth quarter. But to your point about the lack of tape on these guys in the secondary, does it also help these guys when you're preparing that it's a little bit of less is more? You can't put too much on their plate. You can put a few things on their plate and they can go out and execute those things fast in those moments because they're limited in some of the things they can do. Is it, a, is it some of that as well? I, I need to see it and probably uh, talk a little bit about um, what they did. I have a hunch you're right. I don't know that without looking at it. What it makes me think of, though, uh, if you remember back in 2015, when um, Keith Butler took over the, the Steelers defense, they were running a bunch of stuff. They were kind of exotic. They were kind of wild. And they were obviously 
way off the page with what they were supposed to be doing. I think it would, I know they got just crushed in, in New England in the opener. I think they got beat pretty bad as well. Their defense looked terrible after that. And part of this was not to blame him or set people off or anything. I know how triggering this name is, but part of it was you had rookie Artie Burns out there who clearly had no idea what he was doing. And he was getting beat repeatedly on mental stuff more than anything. They had to simplify everything defensively. They cut out a bunch of stuff. And from then on, uh, not every time, but from then on, they improved uh, quite a bit week to week defensively. They got much stronger uh, as the year went on. And Cam Hayward went down, I think, in like week five or week six. So that, that's a, a big component that they didn't have um, back then. I would not be surprised that that's what we see when we review it, a, a much more simplified approach. Um, at the same time, some of that, I think, can be opponent-specific. Tampa Bay is not doing a whole lot um, real, I don't want to say high-end, but they didn't run real complicated stuff, and they haven't all year. You know, they've, they've, they haven't played all that well. I think today is kind of reminiscent of that. Not a, not a great offensive performance from them. Um, individually, they didn't look all that good. This was a game everybody, including us, Lance, expected them to win by two touchdowns. They're 10-point favorites on the road. Uh, they didn't play well. Overall, they, they really didn't. I mean, Brady was was locked into Godwin probably more than anybody else, didn't get great production from anybody. Um, Brady himself looked to me, especially early, it was reminiscent of old Big Ben games where it's like he literally needed a half to get warm before he could actually throw the ball. Threw stuff short. He was short-legging stuff. He, he bounced balls at guys' feet. Wasn't good. Was not a good performance from him uh, today at all. So they, I don't think we saw a great offensive team, but I think the Steelers uh, stood toe to toe with them and beat them down pretty good. I mean that that was, I think. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think that was the best defensive performance um, since since week one for sure. Clearly, I think it. In some respects, I think it's if you depending on how much you you know like turnovers. I think in some respects it might've been their best performance. I know on Twitter, I thought that that was, this was the best half of football they played on defense. And I'm, I'm putting a lot of that on the fact that, you know, they did not have a ton of starters and who they were going up against a Tom Brady led offense. I mean, you don't want to be at a disadvantage in terms of personnel when you're playing the goat. Here's a couple other numbers in this game that stood out in the red zone. The Bucs were 104, 25%, and the Steelers were 2 of 3, 67%. When you don't turn the ball over and you and the difference on third down and in the red zone is as different as we saw it in this game. Third down, the Bucs were 28.6% to the Steelers, 46.7%. Uh, in the red zone, again, 1 for 4, 25%. The Steelers were 67% in the red zone. You can win these type of games but here's the thing though neil this formula for winning is just very difficult a lot of things have to go right and i'm glad you said it that as fans we're going to get very excited about this game but the one thing and the trap that we can't fall into we can't fall into the trap that this is a formula to win week in and week out in that you might see this next week against miami because what you said, I think, is so great of a point. Once you get more film, that advantage of guys being mysterious and what you were doing and what coverages you were playing, the simplification that you may have done in a game with your game plan, that's on film. 
and Miami has a bunch of burners. And Miami, for the same reasons why the Steelers played pretty well in this game, are going to come back with professional pride and play tough because I think they play Miami. Correct me if I'm wrong. In Miami, is that game yes, in Miami? New primetime game in Miami next and, week, and that's going to be a tough game, a tough Sunday nighter going on a road against a team that lost. And, and, and so that's going to be another. They're going to suffer. They're going to feel the impact of what. Uh, the Buccaneers failed in this game, but man, that that was a very surprising win today. It, it it the manner in which the Steelers win games now is so unique. It, it's just this was a remarkable game, and you can't call it a fluke. Pittsburgh was the better team today. Uh, I I don't think that's really even in dispute. It seems to me they're really. Uh, closing in on who they're going to be, who they're trying to be. Took them a little bit to kind of get going. That was my thought of this team. They're going to take it on the chin early this season, but they're going to improve as the year goes on. They're going to be playing much better football down the stretch. How far down they were going to fall early was going to be the question. Now we're, we're super excited here uh, about a two and four team, you know, that, that uh, really played an opponent without anybody uh they they don't they still don't have their key guys it doesn't look like we're going to get some of them now for for a bit and maybe we jump in with that lance i mean it, it's the story of the game um outside of the win of, of course is the health of uh kenny pickett i don't want to speculate on this show or or anywhere else really but it, devin white hit kenny pickett who went to the ground and was kind of grabbing onto his face mask and and people were on him right away he left the game went into the blue tent, which is concussion protocol, then went to the locker room and didn't come back. Um, he was ruled out with concussion-like symptoms or whatever they're, they're going to call that in the, the lawyer world of the NFL. The way things are right now, and it's it's so interesting, the fact they're playing the Dolphins, who really, not intentionally, but they're, they're the, the focal point of this enhanced um, commitment to concussion protocol in the nfl they lost two quarterbacks with a concussion and their third quarterback got hurt during the game today so they had to bring bridgewater back in after he had been cleared on friday from concussion protocol so you have a game now coming up on sunday night we're not sure who's going to start a quarterback for either team if i was betting right now to be honest with you i think it's going to be trubisky i don't i don't think there's a way in the world pickett's going to play not with the way things are right now but more than anything, did it appear to you or anybody else? Feel free to chime in with this in the comments. I don't, Devin White didn't hit him in the chin. Didn't hit him in the head. It looked like he hit him in the chest. Pickett went down and hit the back of his head on the ground. That's where it looked to me like that's where the, the injury occurred. Not to, not to suggest at all that um, it, he didn't, you know, he's not tough or anything like that. It just, you know, it can happen when it happens, but it, it's it, it looked to me more like a fluke thing. I don't think it was a dirty hit. It shouldn't have been uh, flagged, and it wasn't, and he won't get a fine. Um, I don't know. Did anybody else see that differently? I, I, yeah, I thought, he, I thought he got hit in the chest. Probably not going to Maybe the whiplash effect. Maybe it was a whiplash effect. Maybe his head hit the, the ground because yeah, it looked like it got hit. he got hit in the chest. I mean, they're, 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 and I think to your point, they're going to be patient with him. He's the future. And this is why you have Mitch Trubisky. I want to ask you a question about Najee Harris. Mm. It, it, and there's a lot of graphics and memes out there 
that are doing a comparison between Najee and Trent Richardson. Uh, is Najee Trent Richardson? I mean, there was a lot to say about him taking the, the, the steel plate or the whatever the apparatus was in his cleat and how somehow that was going to be some big difference in the way he was going to run. But it looked the same to me in this game. Unless it's blocked very well, he's not going to get very much. He's not going to extract any um, anything out of the run game that's not uh, blocked perfectly. And I want to apologize, too, for not being on the show on Thursday because I was on a I was on a uh, an expedition. I was looking for Najee's juice um, <laughs> in the Amazon, in the jungles of the Amazon. I was looking for Najee's juice and I got back on Sunday to do the podcast, but I did not find his juice yet. So if I miss another show, I'm also on a, uh, on assignment looking for his lateral agility and some juice. Well, what's, what's your, what's, what's your thoughts on this? Is, is, is he, is he Trent Richardson? Are, are we? Should we just be patient on Najee? I mean, where where, where are we at? Because this um, run game looks pretty bad. Just really quickly to update everybody, uh, Patrick Mahomes just hit Juju Smith-Schuster about a fifty-yard catch and run touchdown pass. The Chiefs just took a seventy-three lead over the Bills. Just a quick Juju sighting there. Um, is he Trent Richardson? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, people aren't going to like that because I, I understand that the animosity that's going to come with being compared to a player like that. But I don't know. You can tell me he's not at this point. Um, he's not good. He's just not good. Um, it, we saw I, I don't have the, the snap counts yet, but I promise you Jalen Warren was on the field at least as much as Harris was um, probably more. And I think they were about equal last week. So it, what we look at with Najee, he had a good run. Um, a, a nice run off the edge. It looked like he actually got north for a change. More of what I see with, with Harris right now is, especially on, on outside stuff, uh, he's, he's bending his entire body toward the sideline, and his shoulders are, are pointed straight at the sideline or at a 45-degree angle to the sideline, which is to say he's not efficiently moving up the field. He's taking too much time to get too wide. When your technique and your angle is bad as a runner and the defensive player isn't, he's gaining a lot on you. That's why your, your 40 time is not relevant in, in a football sense. You're moving back and forth. You're moving side to side. It's about how you're running and where you're running more so than it is your speed. Najee isn't all that fast anyway. But when he turns his shoulders to the sideline, Dre Archer style, he is as fast as we are, okay, on, on an NFL field. He's not getting anywhere. He's not going to beat anybody. And that sideline comes quick. So he's out of room. He doesn't have anywhere to go. By the time he turns up field, there are three guys on all three on, on three sides of him. There's nothing he's going to be able to do. He has a lot of carries like that. He had another one today, at least one today, and a nice run. He got north. He put his foot down and, and got up the field. Um, good lane there for him to run in, and he exploited it, which is good. You, you hope that he does that. Not going to, to downgrade him just because it's an easier thing to do. But the, the reality is what we see from him right now is a complete lack of efficiency in running. And that is what you saw in Trent Richardson. And we talked about this last week too, Lance, with whatever the last time you were on was. The, the problem that I see with him is he's coming from a school that 
oftentimes gave him a dump truck sized lane to run through. Okay. That that's fine. We don't look at results for everything. Okay. Just because he ran for 2000 yards in college doesn't mean that he's a good NFL player. That's results. All right. Look at what he's seeing, how he's doing, what he's doing. That's more important. My, my question, just because when you go back and look at uh, Trent Richardson, you saw a lot of the same stuff. He isn't aware of what a hole is at the NFL level, let alone how fast it opens or closes. He isn't, he's not trusting what he's seeing and he's tentative. The second that you hesitate a little bit as a running back, you're done. You're not going anywhere. Defensive players are so fast. Okay. They're going to close in on you. You don't have time. You have to take what's there. You have to go. You get one cutback move to evade somebody to get up the field. He doesn't exploit that. When I say he takes the ball, he's turning his shoulders toward the sideline. You see it. He slows down because he's trying to outflank the defense. I brought up Dre Archer just because Dre Archer ran like he played flag football. Like he's just going to outrun everybody to the sideline and cut up like it's freaking peewee. A horrible runner. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to put Najee at that level, but that's what happens when I, I really wish that I had film to show people what I'm talking about here. I feel like I'm rambling and going in circles, but Najee doesn't get north fast enough, meaning he doesn't get his exactly. shoulders up the field and he doesn't trust what he's seeing because I'm not sure he knows what he sees. He's not processing it fast enough. That's what Trent Richardson lacked. That was the problem with him. He was not quick enough to see what the hole was. And it makes me wonder, these high-level backs, these guys with, with you know NFL offensive lines, it's not that they run through wide open holes all the time. Okay. That's results-based thinking. And you you don't you don't evaluate a prospect like that. It's more, does he find something when there's nothing there? How yes. did how many zero carries does he have? How many one-yard carries does he have? And why did he have them? Was there ever an opportunity for him to go anywhere? Walter Payton had zero carry, zero uh yard carries. Barry Sanders got tackle behind the line of scrimmage as often as he gained yards in his career it's not entirely about that is there a sense of hope though that he can find an average to worse situation up front and make hay with it he doesn't Najee does not do that at all he has done a terrible job of that to this point as a pro and his rookie year i gave him a pass because he's a rookie this year he should have cut half of these out by now minimum half of them out and they're, they're more apparent. If that's his injury, fine. Sit him down. He shouldn't be playing. It's that you know, if you want to see, and I don't think you need to demonstrate it on film. I think if some of the listeners just watched the Alabama game yesterday against Tennessee, I think the clear difference is compare uh, Najee Harris to, to Gibbs, the that running back good. from Alabama right now. Much better feet, much, pac- much more patient, lateral quickness, burst, top end speed as a prospect at the running back position, that kid is a much better prospect than Najee Harris. And I wouldn't take that kid in the first round. And that's another topic for another day. But when you look (laughs) at Najee Harris's numbers, you know, his long run, I believe was 14 yards. And and I hate when guys do this, but I'm going to do this to make a point. (laughs) Najee Harris was 14 of 42, uh, 14 for 42 yards. That's three yards a carry. 
one of the carries was 14 yards. Yeah. If you remove that carry, that's 13 carries for 28 yards for an average of 2.2 yards. Two per yards carry. carry over four drives. Okay. Again, we can't make that direct comparison. I know that you hate doing that, but it's completely reasonable. You have to look at it like that. He had 13 carries beyond that of two yards or fewer, basically, is what that means, or three yards or fewer, I should say. That's not successful in any way you can't suck up that much of the ball and not do anything with it at this level he is probably the definition of a below average running back in the nfl right now it, it's it he's just not good and part of this too I mean, their offense is not very dynamic they get more they they make more hay running the ball with their wide receivers and that's like a, a an obvious fact now to this point you know claypool gets like eight yards of carry somehow I don't know how he does. He got one carry for eight yards today. It's a really nice run in there. Um, you know, Warren, not his best game. They tried to get something with Pickett. That Sims thing, That don't ever run that again. It, 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 what I mean to say here is that their offense is not good. Their running game is really, really bad. And their passing game, as bad as it was when it started, it's, it's improved a little bit. We haven't seen the, the needle move on the running game at all. Uh, from from the running backs and we can sit and, and complain about the offensive line as much as we want the fact is they have uh, at best at best a completely flat mediocre running back getting the, the vast majority of the carries yeah and it's and it's the complement of both they're an average old line not getting helped by an average running back. And the reason why we're probably harping on this a little bit tough, even in a win, is that, you know, the Steelers had 61 snaps in the game. Najee had 14 carries. That's 23% of the snaps had Najee Harris's name on it. And so, you know, when you're allocating close to 25% of your snaps and you're getting that type of production, you have to do something different because all that does is make it difficult for you to play offense, particularly with a young quarterback. It puts you behind the sticks and it gets hard to move the football and you get in these low scoring. My defense has to play great type games. If you're going to play like this, and I think this is the style that they want to play in, they have to get that running game fixed. That running game is going to have to be way more efficient if you're going to give it that many touches but overall man this was this this was a fantastic win and i have a feeling neil at the end of the season we're going to be talking about this win like some of those wins last year i can't sit here and say they're (laughs) going to make the playoffs but what i can tell you is this win falls right in line with that tennessee win last year with that buffalo bills win last year where uh, I, I disagree with that. Not, not as bad as Buffalo. They, they were the but, better team today. But they were the better team today. But but I'm saying going into this game, I mean, this was not something that was in my crystal ball. My no, crystal ball no. was hella foggy. I I was struggling to see how they would come up with, with covering. They were nine and a half point. They weren't they didn't make it to ten. They were nine and a half point underdogs in this game. I wasn't sure. I, I had an underdog parlay. That I really wanted to go with, it's because I the Jets who beat the beat the pants off the Packers today. I knew that was going to happen. I called that. I said the Giants were going to beat the Ravens as well. 
I really wanted to put the Steelers in there cover, not win outright, but cover this. I couldn't. Instead, I went with the Jags, one and a half point underdogs against the Colts, and they lost by seven. So I lost my parlay because um, I didn't put the Steelers in there. It was – I had no thought at all the Steelers would win this game. I mean, outside of the obvious, you, you think, yeah, I mean, every any given Sunday you got a chance. Weird things can happen, and they did to, to some degree in this game. But Pittsburgh was the better team. Pittsburgh outplayed them today. I didn't expect that at all. You know, they, they weren't going to be the better team. They weren't going to win this game. It was, it, it, it's just, it's so like this team the last two years. I mean, they win these games. They have no business winning. It, it's so hard to project them week to week. You have to take this in mind when, I, when I'm predicting the games. And that's probably why I don't bet on football because guys have yeah. social lives yeah. on Fridays. You know, they're not watching film every single minute. And, um, <laughs> You going know, to weddings sometimes. Man, they're they're going to weddings. I mean, that's why I don't. That's why I don't put teasers <laughs> in parlays. You know, guys actually drop their kids off to school. Actually, go to the grocery store. I mean, they're not on their tablets looking at film every single second and watching uh, Twitter. Uh, but man, this is this is going to be. Th- this is a great win. This is one of those wins that keeps you watching. It's one of those games. You know, when people ask it. you. Why do you watch football? You know, how do you why do you spend so much time watching football? It's it's wins like this that keep you coming back. You know, this win is like when you birdie a hole after you shot 102 and you just say, "Well, if I can put all the elements together, maybe I can par and birdie a few more holes." And that's why you keep playing golf. This was this type of game. This is why you keep watching. Because somehow, ball. like Melvin said, I said a lot of words to say what Melvin succinctly typed any given Sunday. And this is why the NFL is so appealing, because any given Sunday, it can be absolutely anything. Can we get into that comment that Mel made regarding uh, Canada and Austin? I'll look for it, but jump into it. I'll look for it. Um, it, it essentially, you might remember, I think it was Thursday when the, the coordinators speak to the media, somebody asked offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, what he, what the plan was for Calvin Austin, the, the rookie fourth round choice out of Memphis, uh, what the plan was for him and how they in, planned on incorporating him to the offense. I do not have his exact quote in front of me, but paraphrased was Canada said he wasn't sure how to fit him in. Most people took that to mean because Matt Canada is without question the most hated person in, in the city of Pittsburgh right now. Most people took that to mean they have no idea what they could do with him as if they weren't sure of anything. That's not what he meant. Okay. I, I get that uh, most people hate Canada. I don't think Canada did a whole lot to help his reputation today as far as his job is concerned. He's not saying he doesn't know what to do with Calvin Austin. What he is saying is Calvin Austin is a rookie who was drafted in the fourth round. He practiced six times in training camp before he was hurt. He was placed on injured reserve and is only now just coming back. To act as if you have some genius plan for your fourth round draft pick is pure insanity, okay? There's no plan for Calvin Austin except for Calvin Austin to learn how to play football at the pro level. He doesn't know how to do that yet. Just because you liked his film at Senior Bowl in a a coordinated drill against a guy that isn't in the NFL 
doesn't mean that he can step on the field and get 12 targets, okay? The game that Chase Claypool just had out of the slot is reason why you don't just plug in Calvin Austin, the, the rookie. The pros who are there, the guys that have traits, you're going to lean on them more than anything else. As far as Calvin Austin goes, who has great traits, by the way, my favorite pick next to, to King George, but that goes without saying, and as it turns out, to Marvin Leal. Great selection. I really like his future. I like where he's going to go. But if you don't practice, you're not going to get better. You can't get better at playing football by not playing football. Okay. That doesn't mean that he's garbage. It means they put him on injured reserve, not because he was hurt, but because they didn't have a, a, a spot for him. He didn't practice enough. They didn't know enough about him. He has to work his way into whatever role they're going to give him. Now, let's keep in mind here, and this was an interesting point that I saw on social media that came up. Antonio Brown didn't get in right away. He didn't play right away. It was, I forget what game, 4-3-4, four, four, something like that, into that season. Uh, that was the first time that he played. First time he touched the ball was on a coordinated gadget play on a kick return, and he took it to the house. Okay? He practiced. He worked his way in. They found a spot for him. He took that, got on the field. You might remember the AFC Championship game that year. Third and six from roughly midfield, Ben Roethlisberger drops back to pass. Who does he throw to? Not Heinz Ward, not Mike Wallace, or Emmanuel Sanders. Threw to Antonio Brown. All right? He built himself up. Calvin Austin is nowhere near any of that right now. And for Matt Canada to suggest that he doesn't know what to do with him shouldn't be taken literally. That's a nice way of saying he hasn't practiced. We're not worried about Calvin Austin right now. He's got a lot of things he needs to do before we worry about working him into the game plan. Let's just take one thing at a time here. We have a 15-point-a-game offense. Our rookie fourth-round draft pick who hasn't practiced is not going to step in here and fix that. So let's let's not worry about Austin right now. Let, let's just look at a few good things here, except for the fact that they're going to be starting yet another different quarterback, what, third time in three games most likely next Sunday uh, against an explosive but also quarterback troubled Dolphins team. That's where this team is going. You know, into Grayson's question, and we're going to wrap the show up pretty soon. Grayson Brown, big up to Grayson, big up to everybody in the chat. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. I don't want to watch 10 start again, Lance. Here's the thing. I want to watch a Mitch Trubisky that played like he doesn't have anything to lose. And that's kind of what you saw today. You saw a Mitch Trubisky that was willing to be aggressive with the football in big time situations. And maybe the fact that he knows Pickett is the guy and when Pickett's going to be healthy and come back, you know, maybe Mitch will rip it. Mitch is playing for his NFL career at this point. Any good throws he puts on film, that's another year. That's another year towards his pension, uh, benefits, all types of stuff. I mean, he wants to accrue seasons, so that pension when he quits is much bigger, and maybe he gets a full pension. Hopefully we see a very aggressive Mitch play like he's not trying to not make mistakes. That's probably the double negative. I've made that mistake, the, the not, not. Yeah, you know that that's my flub for today. Funny, uh, my my, my perfect not, today. Not, you know, man, I almost pitched a perfect game again. <laughs> that wasn't even a flub though. That doesn't I, count. I, I tried to 
But I'm just happy that the Padres beat the Dodgers, beat L.A. You it's know, fun, I, huh? you know, I, I like think better. I'm a Padres you know, guy. I mean, you know, only thing better than watching the Dodgers choke is watching the Ravens choke that was uh, fun. again, which is <laughs> always that fun. team. That team is just lost. They have no clue is, what's going on. Which is you think always... we're in bad shape? Hey, people, do you realize when you go into work tonight, tomorrow, whatever it is, your Pittsburgh Steelers at two and four are one game off the lead in the AFC North. <laughs> what a division! Playoffs. Nobody's good. Play, playoffs. Hey, play, playoffs are back in the board. I mean, this is just it, it's early, so you can understand why it happened. It's not the end of anything, but hey, look, you know what? Weird, weird things happen. Um, that was uh, Giants. I don't know what's going on with the Giants. Uh, I don't know how they're they're five and one right now, but they're five and one right now. Uh, they just beat the Ravens at home, a team that is so hot and cold. It, it's like they live in the New Mexico desert or something freezing at night and boiling hot during the day. You see it all the time from them. I thought Lamar was an MVP candidate, and he's laid eggs two weeks in a row now. You're not sure what you're getting from the Ravens. You're not sure what you're getting from the Bengals. You're not sure what you're getting from the Browns, let alone the Steelers. Let's just admit this flat out right now. These four teams are all, in different ways, the same. (laughs) There's probably not not a playoff win coming from the AFC North this year, but that division title is up for grabs. Yeah, and it definitely looks like there's only going to be one representative uh, uh, from the North. And so, Rob, big up to Bob Cotting. Big up to him. Great supporter of the show. Um, quick question before we get out of here. Do you believe the Steelers will win the AFC North? Let, let me let me, let me, me tackle on that first. I believe that the Steelers will show up and play 17 football games this year. That's what I believe. I have no idea who, what to believe uh, from this football team, other than the fact that they will play 17 games. So there is no way I would be willing to predict that the Steelers win the AFC North. I'm just going to predict that they play 17 games. I will second your prediction that they'll win seven. They'll they'll play 17 games. Um, I like that. You know that they will. You know that that's a Tomlin-led team. They're they're going to. Um, push as, as much as they can to improve as much as they can. Will they win the division? No, they're not going to win the division. Um, this is a fun – this was a fun game. I think there will be other fun games. I don't think they're going to win a whole lot more um, than they already have. I predicted them to be 7-10 and 10 this season. Uh, this game, as fun as it was, it, it shows what they're like in a one-game situation. I'm not going to bet on that over, what, another 12 games – them winning the probably seven of those that they'll need. Um, I, I don't see that happening. Um, 11 games probably need to win seven. So it, it's uh, it, it, it's an uphill climb. They're going to have to sweep the, uh, the Ravens and uh, sweep the Ravens. And they got to beat both uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland uh, in their, their upcoming games against them. That's, that's tough. Um I don't think that happens, but that's just me. Um, I hope they compete. I don't, you know, it, it'd be nice to have a top five pick, but not because your team sucked. I, I would prefer to see my team win in just about any situation. I don't think that they need the top pick to win uh, a Super Bowl. We've seen plenty of times that that's not how uh, the team that wins the Super Bowl ends up doing it. You need good players for sure. And they, you know, probably could do a little bit better finding good players, but I, I believe in the draft class that they have now. I thought the one before that 
uh, is probably on par for where they drafted. If they're down a little bit, I think they can identify good players and they can put them into to, to play pretty quickly. And this can be a, a, a much stronger team next season. I think that's really what this is about. And pick up. And speaking of the draft class, big up to uh, Connor Haywood making a big play. Yeah, today. nice I, play. I don't wanna, nice play. I don't want to forget him. Uh, nice play baby. from the guy they call Meatball. Yeah, that's a great Seems nickname mean. too. That's a. Do you like breadcrumbs in your meatballs? Just wondering. I'm I'm good either way. Okay. Um, it's a, a, a off debate for uh, for yeah. an Irish Catholic household. But um, yeah, just wondering, breadcrumbs. My grandmother used to. Put I don't need them. So I guess is what okay. I'm saying. I don't need them. Okay. I get the. Yeah. Some people do. The Italians are are big into that. That's not really uh, a necessity for me. I I like a good meatball. Uh, pretty much however I can get it. Yeah, you know, Western Pennsylvania style. We like good meatballs. Oh, and yeah. uh, I think in my house, I think my grandmother's one was breadcrumbs, one wasn't. And so, uh, just like oh. one used uh, best foods mayonnaise. And one used a uh, uh, miracle whip, uh, so you know I had you know best of both worlds in different houses. <laughs> but, uh, versus miracle whip, versus <laughs> swing. Yes, it is. Mayonnaise. And Melvin and Melvin is just on cloud nine. Panko baby, Melvin is fancy with his meatballs, and Melvin had a fantastic week. His balls won. The Steelers won. Mel was spicy hot last week with that Steelers 38 to 3 loss. Mel is just happy. And I'm glad all caps today, nearly as much. And I'm happy for all dogs of Steeler owners that didn't get kicked this week because the Steelers didn't get beat 38 to 3. So big up to all the dogs out there (laughs) that didn't that was nice of them this week. It was was nice of them to, to not only win the game, but keep it within five touchdowns. Yes, yes. Keep we it. It could have been that. fifty last week. It could have been fifty. Yeah. When I rewatched, they missed field goals they, and fumbled yep. on a one. Yep. It could, it could have been the fifty to the end too. So, but with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Steelers win the game, uh, twenty to eighteen. Thank you, everybody, for chiming into the show. Make sure you like and subscribe. Please spread the word. Like Ali Howard Species 5618 said, stay safe, Steelers family. And with that, as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.